afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We've been talking about NAFB's virtual convention that is underway as we speak. And Brad Coima is going to be joining us today. He is with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. And we take a look at this market, a variety of things that are going on in this cattle market. Was it a risk-off type of situation with everything that's been going on with COVID? There's so many rumors floating around. We've also heard talk of uh, grocery stores doing some retail hoarding as we get closer to the holidays also a marketing year high on beef and then what's been happening in the soybeans just a few of the things that we're going to cover in today's program and so let's start out with this it's it's kind of the elephant in the room COVID has been there it's sticking around brad but there's some risk off that's been going on in this cattle market all being tied back to COVID. yes um a hundred percent and Boy, do I wish that I could just go back to being a cattle fundamental analyst because uh, take a look at the guts, the macro fundamentals of the cattle market. Um, I think that those that data is is one sidedly friendly. Um, but and we can talk about that a little bit. But I think initially we might as well you know try to throw the uh, explanation for today on um, you know worries about COVID. I think that some of the problem today was also exacerbated by you know, the rumor mill, which I cannot substantiate in any way, shape, or form, but rumors floating around that there was trouble at a couple of different plants, uh, that they were closing because of health, uh, too many sick workers. Uh, there was a rumor about one in Omaha, which I don't think is the case at all. There was a rumor, another one out west, and the only thing I heard about uh, one of those plants is that they were considering sending their um, 60-year-old help and up home, 60-year-old, yeah, okay. I, I'm sure that they have some 60-year-old help, but I don't think they're on the production line. Uh, you know, the, the, the process of, of slaughtering cattle is, is, is hard work. So I, I think that, that some of that, you know, gave some markets some misgivings that they wouldn't have had to have otherwise. But obviously we all remember what happened this spring. And so, you know, unfortunately, every morning there's somebody out here that's willing to sell cattle. That's the producer if he starts to, to, to worry that he has to get some stuff hedged. So that looked like the kind of day it was. Yeah, we did some technical damage. I was glad that the feds closed above 110.50 by a hair's breadth. Uh, that's kind of an important area. I hope we can hold above that. So as you look at all this all this talk and, and, and the rumors that have been flowing around again, there's nothing that has been proven but we're also hearing restaurants and we talked about this earlier this week during the Fontenelle final bell that not restaurants excuse me grocery stores are starting to hold back some retail for fear we do have that repeat like we did earlier this year right there's no question that there's been some extraordinary demand uh, just look at the boxes they were higher today again uh, they're up about $15 from last week to, to uh, today um, you know that there's some uh, 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 I don't know, hoarding is a strong word, but some stockpiling. Uh, they don't want to run the risk of, uh, of running out. And, you know, not to be sarcastic, but, you know, I uh, I think a lot more people own a freezer now than they did in March. Um, and I'm hoping that we've trained our consumer that, you know what, you can cook a steak pretty good and maybe just as good and probably for about a third of the price as going to a restaurant. And I hope we can still maintain some of that demand. We picked a huge uptick in the retail beef demand here this summer. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, in the spring, the excuse was, well, we can't get the cattle dead, so that's why we're going to buy them cheaper. I really believe 
I really believe that the protocols that they put in place at these packing plants with distancing and, and separating these different pods and all this other stuff, I would like to think that we're going to be able to continue to procure livestock uh, and get them slaughtered on a timely basis. So now if we can get the packer to share some of these excessive profits again and get this cash market better. Should we be nervous, though, as we see more states? Um, Minnesota went into lockdown this last week. We know that schools are saying, hey, we're not going to come back until sometime in the new year. Uh, restaurants, all the different state guidelines that are happening across the U.S. Does that make for some or should it make for some nervousness all the way back to that cattle producer? Yeah, well, it has to, unfortunately, Susan. I, we have to be prudent. Um, and, you know, and the thing, I is it a factor? I, absolutely it's a factor you know what i'm trying to figure out as an analyst is at what level is this a factor you know at, at 108 is that kind of built in now um you know one of the things that we are absolutely definitely going to miss out of this next 45 day window is the holiday party the office party the get together have a prime rip the new year's eve the blob all that stuff uh you know that hyping up of the middle meets here as you as you move into the second week of december typically um yeah i mean it, all over the place they put restrictions on those kinds of events so it's pretty hard not to to think that that at some point it certainly is something to be concerned about look at the hogs how are they faring i mean we saw the futures see some lower numbers on the nearby what are your thoughts on that market today yeah yikes that was a tough day um we've been disappointed a couple of weeks in a row with uh, uh, the china business um it takes extraordinary demand to be able to uh deal with this the kind of supply that we have which is enormous um i think the 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 worry here is that you're starting to see some crumbling of the pork product led by the hams that's disappointing of course but somewhat seasonal um you also are trending the weights the wrong direction on the hogs Uh, we are at least starting to take some weight off the cattle but the weights on the hogs are going the wrong direction uh i i thought today was just a result of, of you know this burdensome supply with less than perfect demand Good way to put it. Stick around, folks. We come back. We've got a lot more to cover as we continue our conversation with Brad Coima. He, again, is with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. We're going to look at what's happening on on the grain side of it and anything that our livestock producers should be keeping an eye out for as well. It is the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. More is coming up. Stick around. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation with Brad Coima. He's with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. We're switching gears for a bit here. We're going to jump over to the grain side of it. And let's start out with the exports. I mean, we're pretty new into this trading year for exports. And this is not something to to be looking negative upon when it comes to numbers. No, I, I, think, I think you got a good question, Susan. I, I know I've heard some talk about oh shucks that was kind of a bad bean number um i you know let's put this in perspective we have we're like i don't know at 80 percent already of what uh according to the usda's last white demand report they're anticipating for us to export i mean china has been windrowing this stuff um you know obviously the the two big factors on the soybean deal is south american weather which this morning for a little while there you know we got a little bit of moisture in the northern part of that 
country. It's a big country. Um, but I think really the story of the beans and to a lesser extent the corn is um, we have just got tremendous demand from China, and I think that that has very little to do with the trade war and has everything to do with the fact that they're on top of their African swine fever and they need feed. And uh, so they're expanding their cow herd and they need feed. I, 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 I think the market's in good shape. Super impressive trade today, Susan. You know, I had them down for the count early and then I'm rolling back and still managed to post higher on the beans. It was very, very, very impressive in my estimation. Especially with all the talk that's been going on with, with weather and, and, and trade. It's good to see some positives on the bean side. But the corn, uh, they struggled finishing, you know, three lower. What's, what's caused for the drop down in them? Well, you've got a market that's, you know, gotten up into some, some resistance levels up against this four and a quarter level. Um, which historically, uh, if you look at the last five years, has provided you know some resistance to the market. I, I think that the COVID story probably you know resonates a little more in the corn pit because of ethanol, right? Uh, you know, people worry that oh boy, now what are we going to not drive anymore? And ethanol, yada yada, you know that story. Which I, I really don't believe that this go around, um, you're going to see the kind of shutdown or the kind of public reaction to, um, you know in terms of, you know, travel or at least being able to drive your car or pick up. Uh, but so I, I would say that, I mean, you got a very overbought market. So I don't, three lower, I don't know, to me wasn't terribly disconcerting. Uh, I still think that the strength of the beans will probably carry the corn uh, still into maybe someplace toward that 450 level before this is said and done. Will the basis continue to remain strong for corn and beans? I sure think so. Uh, as good as it was through harvest, I wouldn't know why it would, uh, would would soften up now. There's some areas regionally that are really strong uh, in, the, in, the, in my part of the world. So I would expect a, a strong basis here going right into spring. Uh, looking at, uh, switch back to the livestock side, because obviously ebb and flows, like we always have harvest and then post-harvest in these grain markets. What are some things that we need to do as producers to be able to get the good prices that we need to be able to make the profit on our cattle and hogs this coming year? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a loaded question. Hey, yeah. we, we got about three and a half, four hours. We're good. <laughs> I, um, well, there's two ways to answer that question. You know, I, I struggle with the structure and the complexity of the cattle market, feeling like the uh, the guy that's doing the hard work and negotiated trade is the guy that's in last place. You know that I fight for that. Uh, um, in fact, I'm driving from a meeting that was all about that right now. Um, you know, what can we do? I think we raise awareness that uh, we need to negotiate more transparent cash price. Uh, we need to get some leverage back so that the Packers forced to share these big profits that he's got. Um, I mean, look at the box beef. Box beef's at a level they could pay a dollar and a quarter for cash cattle and still make lots of money today. Um, so we, we need to get some leverage back in the producer's hands. The, the hog thing is a tough one. You know, that, that market is... It's gotten itself so vertically integrated that it's gonna it's it's gonna literally take some kind of like unbelievable uh, act of Congress to change that around. I I think you have to look at it if you're if you're in that hog business of trying to you know stay afloat through this uh, this next uh, sixty to ninety days where I believe you're gonna probably have some of the, the biggest effects again of COVID nineteen. Uh, then I think as you get back to a more world economy, I think that that there should be some profitability again for the hog people again, but it's difficult to get that uh, industry turned around as vertically integrated as it's become. And we're headed into a holiday. I mean, it's hard to believe next week is Thanksgiving. We start getting to that holiday demand for some beef cuts and, and pork cuts, hopefully as we get closer to Christmas in the new year. 
real anxious to see what happens to the middle meats on the beef. This would be a time of year where generally you, that's, you know, this is the prime rib season going into that deal. Um, now look at the choice select spread. It would appear to me like the demand is alive and well, uh, you know, as wide as that choice select spread is. And knowing that we're not really very current, if you look at average weights, so we're producing a lot of choice and prime and we're seem to be able to move it. So at this point, I, I really can't find much fault with the, 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 any proof in the pudding, if you would, that the, the beef demand is not just alive and well. Uh, the pork thing, I, you're going to get some seasonal problems here in the pork demand. Typically, typically that's why December is the low of the year. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Hey, you can call us 800-358-3047. Thanks so much, Brad Coyman. Joining us, just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.